Glory Days fans, there was a time when insurance wasn't considered a necessary evil, but a source for communal good. Branch is working hard to restore insurance back to that original intent. Branch harnesses the power of community to make insurance affordable for everyone, like it used to be. They make it easy, just two quick questions, and they'll get you an instant price on home or auto insurance quicker than any other provider. Branch is bringing insurance back to its roots. Your price is waiting at ourbranch.com forward slash glory. That's O-U-R branch.com forward slash glory. And on this Memorial Day 2011, Ohio State football fans, you have a new head coach. Ohio State senior quarterback Braxton Miller has re-injured his shoulder during practice today. The JT Barrett era of Ohio State football has kicked off. Ohio State suffered its first home loss under Urban Meyer. Yes, the local kid, Josh Perry. Wide receiver Evan Spencer. For Ohio State is heading to the national championship. The Buckeyes. The Glory Days Podcast, Dreams and Nightmares with Joshua Perry and Evan Spencer. Hosted by Chris Caldwell. Sports fans, football fans, Buckeye fans. I'd like you to join me on a journey. A journey with a team that defied odds, exceeded expectations, and took home the biggest prize in college football. The 2014 College Football National Champions, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Throughout this season-long journey, we'll come to know the family that was this team, and more personally, two of its leading forces. I'm Chris Caldwell, lifelong Buckeye fan, Ohio State graduate, and Columbus native. And I'm going to be your guide as two distinguished players take us through their incredible season. Joining me now are linebacker Joshua Perry and wide receiver Evan Spencer. Guys, how are we doing today? Couldn't be better, brother. I bet so. I'm doing great. Doing yeah. great. I'm super excited, and uh, but before we get started, I want to make sure that you guys introduce yourself to sure. the listening audience. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Evan, first, sure. and then we'll pass it over to Joshua after you're done. Definitely. So, so guys, Evan Spencer here, and, and and for those who don't know, I very much was the nerd growing up. So it was it was circle magnifying glasses, and uh, you know, just an admirer that turned into the starting Z receiver at Ohio State. So um, you know, and I guess to touch on some of the more accolades, right? MVP of the national championship football team. Uh, or the national championship football season um, and a few others, but really, and most importantly, I was able to be around a lot of unique things growing up, right? Being able to be around C. Grant, Mike Jenkins, hell, the Devin Hester's and Julius Peppers of the world. And, you know, for me, that's what really drove me to want to be great and then come back to Ohio State and, and really make my mark. So that's me in a nutshell. Now I'm a financier turned media extravagance or whatever. <laughs> I'm not even going to use words that are real now, but I guess I'll have to work on that in this media career. But all, all said, um, you know, happy to share more about me and the stories to come. And you're both very modest because you're both former captains yeah. of Ohio State, and that means something. So uh, speaking of captains, we're going to throw it over to you, Joshua. Why don't you tell Buckeye fans or or just the listening audience, because I do believe the Buckeye fans have a pretty good idea of who you are. They see you on BTN. But uh, tell a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Joshua Perry. I'm actually sitting next to an MVP, so I think that's pretty daggone cool. <laughs> uh, played at Ohio State from 2012 to 2015, was a three-time starter there, uh, team captain in 2015. And um, I am a Columbus kid. I grew up here in the city of Columbus. I watched the Buckeyes my whole life. And through watching Ohio State, there were some great experiences, some wonderful seasons that I got to take in as a kid. But never did I think when I was a little kid watching the Buckeyes that I would be a part of one of those special seasons. So I'm really happy to be able to share that story with everybody who's going to be listening. Definitely happy to be telling it with one of my teammates who was a great leader on that team and played an integral part. And it's going to be really exciting as we get this project out there because I know everybody's going to love it. Guys, I'm super excited because this is a story, as Urban Meyer said uh, on the night of the national championship, that has to be told. And we are going to tell it to you. A quick reminder before we start the show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review and rating to tell us what you think. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory Days Pod. That's all one word, at Glory Days Pod. On Instagram at Glory underscore Days underscore Pod. And like us on Facebook at Glory Days Podcast. And make sure to visit us on the web at glorydayspodcasts.com. If you guys are ready, let's uh, buckle up our chin straps, proverbially as they say, and get started. But before we dive into the specifics of the 2014 season, 
it's first necessary to talk about Evan and Joshua's recruitment to Ohio State, some of the turmoil that occurred prior to them arriving on campus, Urban Meyer's hiring, and how the 2014 team's success may have had its roots in the way 2013 ended. So we just want to get that programming note out before we get started. And to start this off, before we get into your careers at Ohio State, I want to talk about your different paths to Ohio State and your recruitment. Because although both of you would end up playing for Urban Meyer, and Evan, you're going to actually also play for Luke Fickle during his one year as interim coach, Mm -hmm. you were both recruited by Jim Tressel. Evan, since you were in the class of 2011, I'll start with you. But as we begin this conversation, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that you're also a second-generation Buckeye, son of all-time great running back Tim Spencer, who actually is still number five in all-time rushing yards at Ohio yeah. State. How about that? And so, I joke him that a bunch of my friends have since passed him. Oh, so It's <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, I get a nice little jab when I can. <laughs> and he was also a former assistant under Coach Jim Tressel. And I think that's where I want to start. Growing up around the program, talk about your relationship with Coach Tressel and the Ohio State staff prior Jeez. to your recruitment. I mean, it, it, it's so unique and, you know, I, I, I'll do my best for for, for everybody listening, but like to be able to go to practice on a Monday or not on a Monday, let's call it a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And, you know, to get in trouble for being in the offensive huddle during like offensive walkthrough as they're going through new install. And that happened one year and it, it was the O2 season and you know, whether it was Purdue or whoever the heck we were playing, like, but that type of immersion was awesome for me as a coach's kid. And, and a lot of other coaches, kids can, can attest it's, it's super unique for us all, but I started to then grow into my body and, and realize that, Hey, all of these moments can be, you know, to my benefit, you know, cause I started to realize that I was athletic. I, I just started to realize that I was faster than most others, at least in my, in, in my area. And then football really kind of, you know, found its love, like, you know, in, in terms of me playing and such, but um, just to come from that background, you know, it's, heck, I, I, I got to rush the field in, in 02 after we won the national championship. Like that is a memory I will have, to the day I die. I remember right. the thick little circle glasses that I did it with at the, yeah. at the time too, right? Like, you know, you'd look at me as a kid and you'd be like, dang, that's you? Like, you made it to all of that stuff and did all that thing? But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. And, you know, Ohio State is is always family, but really entrenched some of those firm memories back back in those days when I was, you know, a little kid looking up. Yeah. For anybody who's listening who can get us a picture of him with those Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> oh no. That will be fun to put on trust YouTube. Me, okay, my mom will listen to this and you'll have an email in your inbox probably the next day afterwards. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> well, eventually your dad takes a job with the Chicago Bears and you're going to end up going to high school in northern Chicago, Vernon Hills to be specific. But given that you had a personal relationship with the staff, talk about Coach Tressel's recruitment of you and who was responsible for you and ultimately if the listening audience was sitting with you when the, when you were talking to coach Tressel and the pitch came, what was it? So coach Dick Tressel was actually the the coach that was in charge of me and he was running backs coach at the time. So him and my dad got to nerd out on, on all of the things that had happened since he had left. So that was always cool. Uh, but once they actually were able to come to my house, um, you know, coach Dick Tress and obviously coach Tressel both came and it was really, you know, there wasn't much of a pitch, right? Because there was so much history, right? It was more of uh, my mom's cooking, we're hanging out. You know, my dad and Coach Dick Tressel are talking about like scheme or, you know, players and, you know, what may have happened in these moments during the game. And, um, you know, Coach Tressel's looking at me saying, hey, do, do you see yourself fitting into some of these moments, right? And I think for me, it, there wasn't much more that needed to be said because, you know, again, from those circle glasses moments to the time of, hey, I'm good enough to do it, like, I couldn't picture myself in any other place being more happy. Now I was trying to present myself to be really agnostic, looking at a whole bunch of other schools and Iowa was a really close second for me, but you know, moments like that were ultimately what really kind of brought me in and said, Hey, this is home and this is where I want to spend the next four years of my life. There you go. Well, for the record, according to ESPN.com, the 2011 recruiting class is ranked seventh nationally and is going to include future players such as Braxton Miller, friend of the show, Curtis Grant, Duran Grant, Michael Bennett, Ryan Shazier, Steve Miller, and yourself, among others. But when asked to comment what he liked about this class the most, and it's going to be the last class that's exclusively recruited by his staff, Coach Tressel tells 24-7 Sports, quote, I like everything about it. It's a good-sized group, and we think we're going to be a good one. We've got a little bit of everything. we got guys who are versatile. And they've also done a lot of different things. We feel good about who they are, and we feel good that they're going to have a great interest in Ohio State, end quote. 
And as fans are going to come to know, many of these players are going to be the nucleus of the national championship team in 2014. So I say it's quite a class indeed. Joshua, over to you. You're in the 2012 recruiting class, one year behind Evan, and you had a little bit of a different path to Ohio State as you graduated from high school in central Ohio, from Olentangy High School to be specific. And you grew up seeing firsthand the impact of the Ohio State program on the local community of Columbus. Any favorite memories of the Buckeyes growing up? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think, just special in general to be um, to be a central Ohio kid who goes to Ohio State because, like you said, you get to see all of it, um, and it's a ton of fun. Ohio State had a ton of success when I was growing up, and I think it was really impactful on how I made my decision into becoming a Buckeye. I can remember a national championship win, um, and you go to school the next day, and your whole school is wearing scarlet and gray. Like That was something that I think really stands out. Um, And even fast forward to after we won our championship, you could see that same amount of pride reflected in the community that really stands out to me. But just um, being in a place where on a Saturday during the fall, basically the whole city is shut down because folks are at the shoe or they're at their favorite bar watching the game or they're gathering with friends. Um, I think it really puts into perspective what it means to be a Buckeye. So the big question is, did you have Coke bottle glasses? No, I did not. I did not. (laughs) Well, even though you're a member of the 2012 class, you actually commit to the Buckeyes in 2010. In fact, you're the first member of your class to commit. I like it. You're a trendsetter. And the class of 2012 is a mishmash of Jim Trestle recruits, and it's also technically Urban Meyer's first recruiting class at Ohio State. And looking at it from the surface, it really is a stout class as well. According to the fan site 247.com, it's going to come in at number five nationally and number one in the Big Ten. And in addition to Joshua, it's going to have future contributors such as Adolphus Washington, Noah Spence, Taylor Decker, Pat Elfline, Cardell Jones, Tyvis Powell, and Michael Thomas. So again, quite the class indeed. But back to your recruitment to the team, I want to ask you the same question that I asked Evan. Take the fans through your Ohio State recruitment. Where and when did you have contact with someone from the program? And give us the personal view of your offer from Coach Tressel or maybe it was Coach Fick. Yeah, so my recruitment was uh, a little bit unique because, you know, I think the way coaches like to do it a lot of times is they want to start locally, see what's there because they can get those evaluations out the way. And then you start to have more of a, a national scope. So I was getting looks from Ohio state when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, coach fickle told me, Hey, you know, we like what we've seen thus far. We want to see you come to uh, camp over the summer so we can get some eyes on you and make an evaluation. I was like, all right, bet. So I went to uh, one of the one-day camps got to compete with some really good players. Warren Ball, who was in that recruiting class, Briante Dunn, uh, some of the other linebackers who were uh, Midwest guys that were in the 2012 recruiting class and, you know, just went out there and did my thing. Um, that day after camp, Coach Fick and Coach Trust pulled me out on the indoor, and they're like, you had a great day. Uh, we'd love to offer you a scholarship. I was like, oh, man, this is fantastic. But I was like, wait a minute. I probably need to go home and think about this. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, um, this is awesome. I really appreciate the interest, like super excited about it. Um, definitely want to go home, talk to my family about what this means, what kind of impact this is going to have, et cetera. Um, so we went home. It was probably on a Saturday. That Monday, I picked up the phone. I was like, Coach Tress, I'd like to come back down to campus. I think I'm ready to commit. So I sat down in his office. Uh, spent a little time with him and my family, told him I wanted to be a Buckeye, and the rest wrote itself. Awesome. Now, does he talk to both of you guys about, you know, a career outside of football when you're talking to him, talk about your educational path? Because I know he was teaching a class at Ohio State, too. Yeah, I mean, like, that's one of the most important characteristics, I guess, in in Coach Tress was that, like, he's so much about building the man or, you know, the the, the men-to-be um, paying it forward. Right. You know, he was big about, you know, giving back to the community. Um, so like all of this together, education, you know, knowing that you are a person, but you can use your platform to give back to others who are less fortunate. You know, these are things that he preached. So, you know, whether it was education, you know, your presence, um, you know, all of which it started from recruiting and picking the individuals that he knew that could represent those values. And that was, you know, another you know, pretty key and important item there. Well, let me close your guys' recruitment with this. Evan, according to eScoutroom.com, you had offers from Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Illinois, just to name a few. You also talked about Iowa. 
Joshua, according to ESPN.com, you had offers from Michigan State, Duke, Cincinnati, again, just to name a few. If you both didn't choose Ohio State, where do you think you would have gone? And also with that, this could, we could have a little fun with this. Any fun recruiting stories that stick out to you when you went maybe on a campus visit or something like that? So again, where would you have gone and anything, anything fun happened during your recruitment? Sure. My, mine's easy. So where I, where I actually would have gone if it wasn't Ohio State was Iowa. And, and quite honestly, it was really close to. I mean, it's weird, but like Iowa City is, is kind of a fun area because I feel like that's just like where everybody in the state collects to do anything exciting. Uh, sorry uh, for those that uh, live there, et cetera. But no, I mean, the, the coaches were, you know, really engaging with me as a player and as a person. Um, the receivers coach was close with my dad. He coached against my dad at Michigan for – some years when, when my dad was at Ohio state. So there was that bond. Uh, but when we got, or when we were doing the whole recruit trip, they, you know, called me, Hey, what do you want to do? You know, I think it was, maybe it's an unofficial or whatever. So I was the only one there. They're like, well, you know, we can, you can come to our basketball game, but we also have a wrestling match. Like, which one do you want to come to? And I'm kind of, you know, thinking to myself, scratching my head, like, <laughs> wait, why the hell? Would I want to go to <laughs> you know, all respect yeah, to yeah. them. I know they're probably balling, but yeah. you know, let's go to the basketball game. We yeah. get there. Not a soul there. Definitely probably the only black people in, <laughs> in, in, in the, in the stands. And again, not hating, but uh, we had a good time. Um, and then lo and behold, we leave and the place starts getting packed. And then, you know, same place was they were doing the wrestling match there. So it was fun, unique nonetheless. But that's my funny story, I guess, with recruiting. How about you, Joshua? Where would you have gone? Um, so my, my, I guess my backup school is a weird way of saying it, was Stanford. So um, wow. when all the, all the turmoil was Smart going guy. down, uh, yes, um, one of Stanford's coaches reached out and was like, hey, you know, I uh, know you're committed to Ohio State, but if anything happens, you know, we'd love to have you. Uh, you got a scholarship offer committable here. The whole deal. I was like, oh, man, this is great. Um, because if I wasn't going to go to Ohio State and stay home, I'm like, I get to go out to California. Hmm. It's going to be beautiful there. I'm like, I get to be a smart guy, get a great degree. Um, I get to play football. That's going to give me a chance to go to the NFL. And if I don't go to the league, I'll make a shit ton of money in Silicon Valley or wherever doing something uh, because I have a Stanford degree. And so that was kind of it for me. And then if there was one recruiting story that uh, kind of stood out, I remember my dad and I over spring break took a little trip down South. We went to visit um, Duke and Vanderbilt. Cause I, I really, I used to be a smart guy. I went to state school and ended up stupid, but um, <laughs> you're still a smart. Guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we go down there and we're leaving, um, the visit at Duke. And it was a good visit. Like I liked the coaching staff, everything. And my high school coach calls me and I'm like, what's up? And he was like, yeah, he's like, those guys said they don't think there's a chance that they could get you because I was getting all this other interest. So it was like really unique hearing like a school kind of disqualify themselves because, you know, it takes resources and time and energy to try to recruit a kid. And they were like, you know, they really like you, but <laughs> they're like, there's not a chance and so it was kind of, that was how that relationship ended. They were like, boy, we, we don't, what they told me when I walked in there is like, we don't get guys that look like you coming down here. And, you know, just. Well, the thing is, is like, it, it happens, right? Like, yeah. I, mean, I was recruited like hell to uh, uh, Western Kentucky University, I think. Oh, the Hilltoppers. Uh, and like with the, with the silver helmets, <laughs> yeah. the little two yeah. red stripes. But, you know, you get some that say, you know what, we probably don't have a chance. And then you get some that are, listen, I'm sending you a, a letter every Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're, and might get, your mom might get one too, you know. So you get the whole spectrum, but. Um, luckily enough, I guess for your time and insanity, they, they, yeah. they, they loosened up. Well, and that was kind of the thing that I, I, I appreciated about them just in terms of the honesty, like we went down there on an unofficial visit. So that was us spending our own money on, yeah. you know, running a car and, and getting the hotel and everything. And, you know, they're like, we don't, we don't want to waste your time understanding that, um, when you go back to Columbus, you're going to go home and you're going to have a letter from Florida or one from Alabama, the Penn state or Michigan state. Like you're not choosing Duke over those schools. So. It was, it was real interesting. Glory Days fans, there was a time when insurance wasn't considered a necessary evil, but a source for communal good. Branch is working hard to restore insurance back to that original intent. Branch harnesses the power of community to make insurance affordable for everyone, like it used to be. They make it easy, just two quick questions, and they'll get you an instant price on home or auto insurance quicker than any other provider. 
Branch is bringing insurance back to its roots. Your price is waiting at ourbranch.com forward slash glory. That's O-U-R branch.com forward slash glory. You know, by the time 2011 rolls around, you both have committed to Ohio State with the original intention of playing for Coach Tressel. But unfortunately, things aren't going to work out that way. And here's a little bit of a timeline. And for brevity's sake, you'll notice that I'm only going to talk about Coach Tressel specifically, not name the players involved, because frankly, it's been done to death. I just want to go back briefly to March of 2011. And on March 8th, Coach Tressel is suspended for the first two games of the 2011 season for failing to notify the Ohio State Compliance Department or the NCAA of his knowledge of certain players receiving impermissible benefits. Some people might know this better as Tattoo Gate, but on March 17th, according to ESPN.com, his players who are being investigated, they receive five game suspensions. So what does Coach Tressel do? He goes to his bosses and he asks for the same penalty, saying, quote, throughout this entire situation, my players and I have committed ourselves to facing our mistakes and growing from them. We can only successfully do this together. That's a leader of men right there. I spoke with athletic director Gene Smith and our student athletes involved, and I told them that my mistakes need to share the same game sanctions, end quote. Guys, when this is happening, what's going through your mind when you hear this? And who's communicating with you from Ohio State during this time of, I would just say, unprecedented turmoil? Yeah, well... Greg Gillum was was kind of our, our contact lead throughout everything, right? Like, what numbers do you want to pick? Or, you know, all right, who's, who's your roommate going to be? Like, this probably is going to be your academic advisor if you want to do these things. Is so he was... Antonio before Mark Antonio? Uh, yeah. I think of, so. Yeah. yeah. It, um, his, his, I don't think, their roles... That role has evolved. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's the <laughs> same idea, it's but it's, yeah, yeah they're, they're different guys for sure. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, that was the person. But, I mean, ultimately... One, we never thought what happened was going to happen, right? Yeah. You know, okay, he did the right thing. You know, I'm sure he may have known a little bit uh, more, but at the end of the day, like, who else is going to go self-report or self-incriminate a suspension? So, yeah. you know, this will be something that should pass. I mean, that was at least my thought. Yeah. And how about you, Josh? What's going through your mind? You're here in Columbus. You see this firsthand. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was going to what it ended up being uh guys do dumb things and um you know you you felt this is the other part about it too is there was a certain feeling that um you know coach tress was like he was ohio state like there's nothing's gonna happen to him and uh so it's just kind of weird taking it all in and especially from our standpoint because that's when the coaches start reaching out to you like hey you know like something bad is gonna happen so um, maybe you should open up your recruitment, you know, like, Hey, why don't you come take a visit? You never know what's going to happen. Or that's a dirty program. You know, guys break the rules there. You're not a rule breaker. Come here. Cause we don't break the rules, which any coach that says that's a, a just a liar. Um, so it was just a, a really weird time. So no thoughts on either one of your ends about reopening your commitment. No. no. I mean, okay. That, very weird but strong connection to yeah. to all of us that we've you know maybe hung out once or twice you know at that point right like so we all kind of had a non-verbal connection to where like hey we're 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 here because we get to go play at Ohio State so i there was no like formal reopening of recruiting or anything like that but i had a okay if the shit hits the fan yeah. type of scenario then i knew what i was going to do um but i i just didn't think that it was ever going to hit the fan like that Well, speaking of shit hitting the fan, let's shift over to the evening of May 29th, which is a Sunday night. And I just remember this because I was actually in Columbus and news first begins to trickle out of Columbus that a major announcement might be coming from the athletic department the next day concerning the football program. A developing story. Jim Tressel has resigned. Tressel made that announcement today after meeting with university officials. There's been plenty of controversy lately swirling around Tressel. For nine months, he denied knowing that his players sold memorabilia to a tattoo parlor. Only when wow. 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 Evan, it's a matter of weeks, if not days, before you're set to arrive in Columbus. What's going on in your head at this time? 
so much that it's hard to explain even still to this day, but I, I, I guess the best way for me to describe it is that like, okay, so we, we all had this connection to where we said Ohio state is what we see in Ohio state is almost bigger than this situation from the perspective of the brand, from the perspective of the history. And we get to go leave our mark on that. So for me, my thoughts were more like, Hey, I'm going to go do what I can to try to get on the field and, you know, steady the ship a little bit here. Everybody continue to hate on Ohio state and things that may happen. I still love trust. And at the time, right. I'm still thinking that like, you know, everybody's in the right. Um, Cause I didn't have all the details, but you know, ultimately it was just more or less like, Hey, you know, since we're about to get here, like, let us come in. Some guys may be suspended. I'm not sure. But like, you know, now's your opportunity to really, you know, make a difference. <laughs> it's going to happen right when you step on campus. Uh, but but at the end of the day, right, like that's what you wanted to come to Ohio State for. So um, that was my feeling. And I know that it was shared with yeah. some of the other guys in my class. So, Josh, you were talking a little bit about, you know, you said you had like a, a hit, a shit hit the fan plan. But as a player who's already committed, I'm sure you you attended some games that fall. Any recollections of talking with current commits or potential future teammates about the situation? This is, again, with Luke being the head coach. Yeah, um, you know, talked to a number of guys. Like, there were other players who committed after I did. Warren Ball, who ended up being my roommate freshman year, is a running back from Columbus. He was a commit. Tyvis Powell, who's one of my best friends to this day, um, was a commit at the time. Um, there was a handful of us and we would communicate back and forth, especially when we got on campus for game day and everything. Um, and our mentality uh, was, we were all shocked at first. I think it was a little bit surprising. And, um, you know, you, you kind of like, you start to think, what if this and what if that? But as you get a little bit more distance from the day that you hear that Jim Trestle resigns, you start to realize even in like a, an interim year that wasn't necessarily going well, you tell me one time in Ohio state history where Ohio state hasn't been good and it doesn't exist. And so we could talk to each other about that. Like, Hey, you know, it, it might take a year or two to get this thing really humming, but we still got good players that are coming in our class. You know, we're sitting there um, that fall watching Braxton Miller play quarterback. He's not supposed to be playing quarterback yet. Um, we're sitting there watching Evan Spencer, Devin Smith. We're sitting there watching Ryan Shazier as a freshman. We're like, all right, this, this team is young, but we're going to be all right. And so that's kind of where our mindset started to shift is recruits. Like, we can sit back and watch this thing, and it hasn't materialized yet, but it's going to. Gonna because get there. In, in those games, there was only one that we lost by more than a touchdown. Yeah. Right? And, that, and that was the Miami it, game. It looked like a young team. Like, as you watched it, it, it literally looked like a young team that was kind of stripped of not just some good players, but some strong, valuable leadership as well yeah. at a really inopportune time. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what you want people to do with that, but it wasn't something that was going to be a setback for the next four or five seasons. Well, it's official on November 28th, 2011, Urban Meyer is formally hired as the new head football coach at Ohio state. And in his initial press conference, he puts his expectations and objectives out there for everyone to see saying, quote, our objective is simple to make the state of Ohio proud and recruit student athletes who will win in the classroom and on the field, end quote. Well, let's take a second and set the stage for your first meeting with Coach Meyer. And as we said, Urban was hired in November and you enroll in Ohio State in January. I guess first things first, you basically got a month between him being hired and you coming onto campus to start your college career. Who's communicating with you after he gets hired? Was it Mark Pantone? Was it Coach Fickle? Because I got to think, the first thing they want to do is make sure all their commitments are solid. So who's communicating with you? Um, it was, it was Greg Gillum. Like he was really, um, and I felt looking back like really bad about it because they were phasing him out of his job for a couple of years um, for Pantone to really take over. But he was still in charge of a lot of, he was a liaison for a lot of different things. Like he was a bridge between campus and the Woody. He was a bridge between high schools and high school coaches and recruits in the Woody and then eventually, you know, they were like, all right, we don't need you anymore because we've found people to be able to do that. But Greg Gillum was the guy I actually went down to um, campus with uh, my high school coach and my dad just to shake Urban's hand for like 10 minutes. Just, you know, 
they wanted to get familiar with some of the guys. He wasn't going to come and do an in-home visit. Like he, you know, <laughs> I, I really don't think he was all that interested in doing that with me. And so I met him, uh, spent a little bit of time and then kept it moving there. Well, that's what I want to talk about because you've talked about your first meeting with Urban on your podcast, The Joshua Perry Show. In fact, you actually recalled it with Urban as a guest <laughs> on your show. But for those who haven't heard it, can you tell us about the first time you guys met? Meaning, specifically describe the situation. Yeah, so the first time uh, we met after I had enrolled, uh, it was probably like five days into it. So it would have been on like a Friday. And um, I'm walking down that main corridor of like the the athletic side of the Woody. So where the locker room is, not where the meeting rooms are. And um, Urban's walking basically out of the locker room and... He's like, hey, Perry, I need to talk to you. So he pulls me aside and uh, he's like, I just want you to know if I was still at Florida, I would have never recruited you. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I don't I don't think you would have been good enough. I would have never recruited you. You're not twitchy enough. You, you don't pop on tape like I don't I don't think you're physical enough. He's like, I don't, you're not the type of player I would have recruited. And I was like. Anything else? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just kind of like yeah. if you know Urban, he just kind of like does that thing where he just yep. like just walks away. Like he said what he needed to say, he'll just leave you. And I, I think it's a part of a tactic, but it was just like so disheartening to hear. Um, and then the side story, when I brought that up on the podcast at first, he tried to deny it, but he, he knows because I've talked to him about it a hundred times. So he knows he did it and he can recall exactly what he said to me, but he'll, he'll try to deny it every once in a while. So immediately after he does this, you call your parents and say, uh, you know, I might be thinking about uh, yeah. Stanford now or yeah. what's, what, what's happening. <laughs> that no, degree that's, that's, that have some value. Yeah. I'm sitting back and I, I'm talking to my dad because my mom is is the type of person where I'd be like, mom, coach said something mean to me. And she's like, well, I'm going to march down there and I'm going to give him a piece oh, of yeah. my mind. You're not going to talk to my baby. Like, I'm like, right, oh, okay, I know that one. She's a mom. Yeah. And so I talked to my dad and I was like, man, like that was a really uncomfortable conversation um, you know, like, I don't, I don't know exactly what my prospects are going to be like here, you know, might, might have to consider my dad's like, okay, you just got there. Um, this guy doesn't know you from Adam. He, you've never, you don't have a relationship with him. Uh, it's, it's going to be difficult, but this is not an opportunity for you to try to look elsewhere. It's an opportunity for you to try to make an impact. So he's like, you know, just go in there, work as hard as you can. Maybe he doesn't like you. If that's the case down the line, you'll have to make that evaluation, but you can't take, uh, make a determination on what your career is going to be like after a, a two minute conversation in the hallway. Um, but again, like you have to get in the mind of a 17 year old. I really wasn't trying to hear that from coach. And then I really wasn't trying to hear what my father had to say to me either. Like, I just didn't know what I wanted to hear, but either one of those things wasn't it. Right. Well, Evan, let's move on to you. And at the time mm -hmm. urban's officially hired, you're actually a grizzled veteran with all of 12 games under your I know, belt. Right. Holy cow. You're headed into your 13th game, which just happens to be a bowl game against his former team, the Florida Gators. But to me, here is where the paradox of urban Meyer becomes interesting because during his introductory press conference, urban makes sure to tell the press that, and for time's sake, this is a truncated quote, but he says, quote, that he just met with a team we had a great team meeting and to go out and find a way to win a bowl game. And later on, he also said that he told you, quote, you didn't choose me. I chose you, end quote. But in his book, Above the Line, he tells a different story saying, quote, it will be a long time before I forget my first meeting with the team. I stood before a team that looked defeated. The NCAA investigation, the suspensions and the losses had taken an obvious toll on these young men. Slouched in their chairs, many with their hoods on. This was a team that was clearly despondent. Sit up straight in your chair, everybody. Now, take your hoods off right now. Show some respect, end quote. Doesn't sound like a great first team meeting. Evan, any recollections of that day back in November of 2011 and specifically the tone and what was said? Yes, and I'd say both days are true. And I say that to say, cause they're from different meetings, right? Meeting one was <clears throat> fixed still in there. We're still figuring out a way to, you know, we're getting Devere back. Uh, Mike Adams, I think is going to be back or may have been back at that point. I don't know. Uh, but it's go try to win a football game. I'm going to be your coach next year, but I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. Right. But it was very much like he painted it. Now the first meeting where it was his team and his guys were there and he could say what he wanted to freely. Yeah. There was a lot of mistakes there, and I think Coach Meyer very, very 
bluntly put a lot of that, right? Like, you know, some guys had hoods on. A hundred guys on the team. If two of them had hoods on, the entire team had hoods on, right? So kind of one of those scenarios. But that said, guys were late. Guys weren't being as respectful as as they needed to be, you know, and, and you know, small things. But a lot of old school cats, right, if you're not sitting up in your chair and looking somebody in the eyes with bright eyes, you're not paying as close of attention as you need to. And for a coach who's coming into a new team, that's got to be able to grab the reins and, you know, really assert his leadership so that guys can follow him. You know, these are things that you start pulling on. So both happened, but just different meetings. So the, the second or third meeting is where we can merge both of your experiences. As in January, Joshua is now a member of the team. And Evan, you and your teammates have just returned from your aforementioned tax slayer dot bowl game against the Gators and fresh off a challenging six and seven season. So let's set that scene. And you may have just talked about it, so we'll we'll reference it. But again, Referencing his book, Above the Line, Coach Meyer says, quote, my first impressions of my future players was not positive. And it got even worse when I called my first meeting as coach after the bowl game loss. There was an attitude of negativity and distrust and the time for change had arrived. End quote. Can you guys describe that particular meeting back in Columbus? I just heard Evan's version and view. How about you, Joshua? Again, right after the bowl game in Columbus, January 2011. Yeah, I can remember that one pretty specifically. They like grabbed us all from the dorms. The, the guys who had just enrolled kind of like threw us in a van and brought us over to the Woody. And I can you remember a really unique perspective here because it's like, you know, we had just dealt with all that stuff from the <laughs> right. year prior. But Josh is like, holy cow, this is Ohio State football. Like, what am I supposed to expect? I was an alien dropped in like the middle of New York yeah. City. <laughs> like, I'm I'm just trying to take it all in and figure out what's going on. Like, I, I specifically remember um, Zach Boren walking with us because Jacoby Boren's his younger brother. He was one of the new guys and we're walking down that main corridor. We get to the locker room and um, he's like, the, the code is like six twos and a pound. That's how you get in. Don't forget it. Like, <laughs> okay, if I forget it, like somebody's not going to come out here and yeah. get me. But like, it was, you could tell he was very on edge because he had no idea what his last year was going to look like. And I think that was a lot of the team, whether you were a veteran player, whether you were someone like Evan, who was a year into the program, or whether you were me and some of my peers who were enrolling early, everybody was on edge. And to that point, Urban's down there. Um, guys, couple guys, like you said, had their hoods up. He's exploding. He's an old school guy. Take your hood off. It's disrespectful. It's that in the third. <laughs> you hear the doors open before you look back to see who's coming through. And it was doors open late. And it's like, that was the one thing Urban needed was somebody to come into his meeting late. And he ran with it. This is why you guys weren't good. And this is nothing like the Ohio State that I was at when I was a GA and uh, you know, we've got, we've got a character issue. We've got a team issue. We've got a leadership issue, but don't worry. He said, I've got a solution for that. Me and Mickey Marotti, we've done this before. He's I'm like, like I wonder uh, what this I, 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 I just be. heard like the creaking of the door. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like, you feel that feeling oh, where it's just like, oh, gosh, like oh, inside where nothing comes yeah. out where it's just like, Oh my God, yeah. this is going to get bad. And then the next, 40 minutes of getting our attitude was terrible. And we're walking to, I remember walking to my, to my uh, receiver room and talking with Philly and we were kind of just like, man, I mean, you know, we're used to most stuff. Like, you know, we just got through all this other stuff. Like we can probably handle Can't most anything. We had no idea. This is none. The, the other thing too, about that meeting that really stands out to me. And um, most everybody in the building was brand new, like down to, um, you know, director of football operations and everything. And again, for me, like I'm trying to learn who my teammates are and now I've got to learn all these new coaches. He's like, uh, you know, Volt stand up. And so Volt goes down there and Fern stand up. And so Fern goes down there. And then he's like, Tom Herman's your OC. Ed Warner is your uh, co-OC. He's like, uh, you know, just going through all the guys. And so he goes through like 15 people and I'm sitting up there like, I can't like, how am I going to take a note? Like, okay, so uh, uh, Everett Withers is the bald black coach on the defensive side. I, I don't know what to do. And then to your point, he's telling us like, you better get your ass ready for what's coming up. And we go into that meeting room and Luke's talking to us and he's always been a straight shooter, Luke Fickle. And he goes, I don't know what to expect, but I'm telling you guys, just come ready. Whatever they throw at you, just attack it. Like it's not an issue. Like, yeah, okay, we'll see. Here's a recent comment from athletic director, Gene Smith, that he gave to the dispatch in which he details what it was like when Urban was first hired. Quote, 
It was a whole new ball game. He was a hard charger. It was a different environment where every single day you were on pins and needles to some degree. Based upon the time of year, because he was challenging constantly, that was his style. You could walk by him in the hallway and he might say something to somebody just to motivate him, end quote. Like, I didn't recruit you at Florida. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, Evan, you ever do anything like that to you? You know, walk by him in the hallway and be like, hey, you know, you got to got to put on some weight. You got what was No, he he, tr- he I'm not going to say like tried in a bad way, but he tried me definitely. And it was after game like on a Sunday practice and you know, we're fast forward in a few years unfortunately. But uh he said something about just like my dad and toughness and it lit me like it lit me up and like to the point where I respectfully chose my words, but presented them to him Nice, <laughs> and said, there are certain lines that you don't cross. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, again, I think that from coach Meyer's standpoint, like, you know, we were very much in an environment to where that edginess was the desired goal, right? Like not to say that him putting me on that edge, calling out family members, this, that, and the other was like the the the, the focus. But like, hey, what is really going to get under Evan's skin a little bit here? Similar to like the Josh scenario, yeah. right? Like, hey, I didn't recruit you, this, that, and the other. To really get him motivated to, for whatever's to come, right? Like important day, important week, important month, whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, he, he he tried, but we we had a conversation about it then afterwards and had a better understanding from it. <laughs> well, here's how he himself is going to characterize his style. And this is from the same article in the dispatch quote, I believe in productive discomfort. The objective truth is that greatness is hard. I don't believe that's being taught as much in society anymore. That greatness is really, really hard and that hard work gets rewarded. I still believe in that end quote. Another note to our listeners periodically through this series, We're going to ask a very particular question when it comes to select people and personalities on this team. So I want to start with the top of the food chain, head coach Urban Meyer. Guys, tell us something about Urban Meyer that the fans may not know. Man, um, may not know. Well, I think I think a lot is has already been said, right? The his approach to his coaching style. Um I'll tell you something. I don't know. Urban Meyer might be the worst driver I've ever been in the car with. <laughs> and, and and here's the reason why is, is any time that he gets pulled over, he's not held accountable. Let me explain. Why is that? So me and Craig Feta were going to meet Jim Schmicky, who was with athletes in action um, at COSI here in Columbus. It's like this, you know, science deal, little museum type of situation, very interactive, hands-on. There was this movie playing um, that Jim suggested that we all go see together. So we go, um, we hop in, I think Urban had the Audi by then, um, S7. So, you know, sport back, oh, yeah. you know, really slick car. Stop signs did not exist. Red lights did not matter. Had not heard of a speed limit. And I'm like you know, white knuckle, like clenching the seat, like what is going on? And so I asked coach, I'm like, like coach, why are you like, why are you driving like this? I'm like, did you not see that stop sign? He's like, yeah, I'm like, okay, why didn't you stop? And he's like, just kind of didn't answer. And I'm like, coach, what happens when you get pulled over? And he's like, well, typically they'll pull me over and they'll be like, Hey, you're urban Meyer. And I'll be like, yep. And they'll be like, man, great season you had last year. And I'll be like, thanks. And then they'll be like, hey, coach, can I get an autograph? And I'll be like, sure. And then they let me go. And I'm like, here we go. So <laughs> this dude, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. I don't think he, he came to a complete stop one time until we pulled up to Kosai. It's the most amazing thing ever. Note to the uh, drivers in Jacksonville, watch out. Yeah, right. um, well, let's switch over to the fallout from those intense initial meetings, which turn out to be some very demanding workouts. And again, quoting Bleacher Report from a little help from the dispatches, Bill Rabinowitz, quote, they thought they were going to work out indoors, but he made them do it outside. It was like 20 degrees. Whoa, they, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he lying 20 whoa. degrees. Stop is generous. Right <laughs> Single digits. Not Sing, okay. Single digits. Um, 
it was like 20, single digits and they didn't have any gear. They were wearing socks on their head to stay warm. They were doing crazy drills, trying to weed them out. He kicked them out of the locker room and they were dressing in the cafeteria and the halls. He wouldn't let them wear Ohio State clothes. Now you, now you understand how hard you have to work. He absolutely erased any sense of entitlement, end quote. Whoa. Guys, describe those January drills and describe the atmosphere. I mean, we know that it's single digits, but like, talk about those drills. What were right. they and what was the atmosphere? So, I mean, we all talk about them with, with so much just like, you know, we'll never forget it because like, you know, I, I know that a lot of people look at like, workouts to failure like oh yeah that looks hard and like if I always did something to the maximum extent that my body would allow it to do like eventually you know you can't do anymore eventually it's like all right is this my mental limit like can I push it a little bit further can I not well you know imagine yourself outside in those single degree environments where you know we've already done 600 yards like body weight bear crawls right and and, and your arms literally can't pull your body off of the turf, but fingertips frozen, fingertips are frozen, right? In, in all of this. And that's after lunges and that's after pushups and that's after your hands have already frozen to the pull-up bar and all this other stuff. Right. But like, imagine like, okay, well I'm, I still got 40 more yards left, but I physically can't put another hand in front of the next one. And then there are a couple of guys like, Oh shit, I just got to put my knee down one knee down all 600 yards again. Right. Like, so, but it was so much of a physical and emotional test all wrapped into one in a very difficult, like weather environment. And that's why it was so difficult. Like that's the best way I can explain it. And there were coaches that a week before then were treating us a certain way. And then while in that, right, we were all grunts learning, you know, (laughs) how, how to be military men or something ridiculous like that. But, you know, just imagine like lunges, crab crawls, Hell, cartwheels if, if, if they'd have made it do us to, to our bodies just wouldn't let it let us do anymore. Well, Joshua, at the time, you're as green as green gets. Yep. An early enrollee, true freshman. What would happen if an early enrollee who doesn't really know many people would lag behind in the drills? All right. So let me let me throw this out here, too. So folks understand how it goes. Like every class of early enrollees after my class worked out separate from the team for two to four weeks so they could get acclimated to what a college workout is and what the expectations are, how to dress, how to do the exercises properly, you know, what the tempo and and, and what the exertion level is going to be like. We were thrown in there without any of that. I had, regardless of what that is, it's the hardest workout anybody had probably ever done in the building, but to step up from what your high school weight room is like to college is already. And so we just skipped the middle of it and just went to that level. We're dying. We were dying. I was out there wearing, um, an Olin Tangy blue and gold sweatshirt and obviously Ohio state, like you can't do that. So they made me flip my sweatshirt inside out. Like I was expecting to get like all brand new Ohio State gear. So all I had was my own tangy stuff just looking like a clown. I had Vernon Hill stuff. That's blue. I had to flip that inside out too. But like think about this. Like Zach Boren talking about this would be in the hardest workout he's ever done. And Josh is going into workout one. Right. Like I, I explicitly remember like in some of the push-up sections, Zach having to do push-ups under a Chris Carter because if Chris hit his chest on the ground, we had to start all 400 over. Yep. Right. Like I, I couldn't put my body through anymore. So I had to physically put myself underneath the person who was falling. Yeah. yeah. So we couldn't start. They, or, so we didn't have to start again. There was an outdoor jungle gym type of weight room setup, and we're sitting there and they're like, do pull-ups until you can't do pull-ups anymore. And then when you got to that point, they said, okay, now have your partner lift up your legs and then do more pull-ups until you can't do pull-ups anymore. And then you switch and you would just do that kind of stuff. They were like, okay, everybody grab a weight and just do sit-ups until you literally can't do sit-ups anymore. (laughs) Well, I mean, it sounds like Navy SEAL training, to be honest. Did anyone ring the proverbial bell and quit and <laughs> like, come back the next uh, uh, day? Yeah, no. I mean, we did have, we, <laughs> had, we had a names. couple of dudes tap out. I was yeah. going to say Schlegel probably had a bell for us to ring if it was some kind of military reference. Who was, but. I think he might have been in your class. He was um, a, uh, a center. <laughs> Oh. I think he oh, transferred yeah, 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 maybe yeah, to yeah, Minnesota yeah. or something. Gosh, he man. did that. He, he and I were close too because um, we were in the same region. He was going to kill somebody else. Goodness. Jeremy Cash. Jay Cash was who I was and thinking of. And he became, Jeremy Cash became an All American safety at Duke. Really good player. He said, I had enough of this shit. And he was gone. <laughs> yeah. He my wasn't buddy, playing. My around. buddy went to Minnesota. 
Um, Played center there, but I still Mike, blank him. What's his last name? It starts with a B. Um, um, I'm, I'm, it's not. It's not gonna come to me. I don't. I can't remember. But anyway, it, it was a couple of guys. Reach that were out casualties. To you. We 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 got to. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, he's gonna reach out to you. How do you forget me, man? Damn it! I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought we were tight. <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah, right. Why did you my wedding? <laughs> not that serious, but nonetheless, recruiting trips, St. Mary. I mean, shit. You get two dudes from you know Illinois. You, you yeah. start to get close. Yeah. Well, the the good news is the approach, and more importantly, the results. Speak for themselves as you and your teammates start the Urban Meyer era an unprecedented 24 and 0. But depending on who you talk to, it could be argued that the success of the 24 team, 2014 team doesn't happen without the challenging way 2013 ended. So I want to focus on the last two games of 2013 before we dive headfirst into the championship drive. And as we just stated, your teammates and coaching staff don't taste defeat in 24 straight games. But even after the first 12-0 season of 2012, your head coach sees the need for improvement in his young team. And he bases it on a standard he sees firsthand. And we talk about this in a future episode, but just to give a refresher, as a guest commentator for the ESPN during the BCS National Championship game between Notre Dame and Alabama, where he tells the athletic, quote, we're 12-0, but the reality is we're not even close. I watched Alabama come out of the tunnel. We didn't look like that. I watched their fundamentals in pregame. We didn't play like that. So the chase officially started. We were going to chase Alabama, end quote. And as I said, we're going to talk about the chase in a subsequent episode. But guys, talk about that 2012 team and Urban's quote that the team was not that close, was not being close. We all know that you're going to play them in 2014, but in 2012, where were the Ohio State Buckeyes in relation to the Alabama Crimson Tide? Man, I mean, <laughs> well, in 2012, we were just finding ways to win, to be 100% honest with you. Like, I mean, anybody that was on that team will say that it was one of the, the funnest seasons they've probably been a part of. But it was because, like, you know, I, I've said this on record before, like, I was almost, and a lot of us were almost scared to find out what a loss would look like with Coach. Yeah. <laughs> like we knew we knew he was that temperamental, <laughs> so we we had that going for us. But nonetheless, yeah. like you know, it started to build this kind of inherent idea or thought, like you know what, at the end of the day, when we need to turn it on, we'll win. We'll figure out a way to get it done, and and ultimately that bit us in the butt down the road. But you know the Purdue games of the world, right? Where, you know, it literally, we should have lost, but yep. we found ways to win and it was really unique. Let me, let me throw it to you like this. Miami of Ohio, you remember that game? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was bad at halftime. UAB, Alabama, Birmingham. You yep. remember that game? Yeah, I do. It was not a good one. <laughs> Indiana. You remember, do you remember? Yeah, I do remember what that, that was game. like in the because locker room after the game. Yeah. Vaguely. That was the same game that the dude would like, a. Uh, Basically, like a cartwheel backflip through the onside kick back in the into the field of play. And yeah. got was that it. Kenny yeah. Guyton's game? No, oh, that, was Purdue. that was KG Purdue. was Purdue. KG Purdue. was Purdue. Okay. Yeah, and I had that one written down too. Indiana was like a uh, um, a fifty-two to forty-nine yep. type of yeah. affair yep. uh, in Bloomington, and so coach would come in every game and he'd give out a, a, a you know players of the game or whatever yeah. right after right, and so he he calls Tom Herman up and Tom Herman fifty-two points. It's a great performance by the offense. Da, 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 da. Oh right? yeah, and so then he calls uh, he calls Luke Fickle up and Luke's like, oh fuck. This. Like, <laughs> we gave up 49 points to Indiana. We're not giving out a game ball. Yeah. But we had those were the performances. Like we're gonna we're gonna beat Indiana by three in a shootout. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not a, a good football. So team. he was he was right. Glory days fans. There was a time when insurance wasn't considered a necessary evil, but a source for communal good. Branch is working hard to restore insurance back to that original intent. Branch harnesses the power of community to make insurance affordable for everyone, like it used to be. They make it easy, just two quick questions, and they'll get you an instant price on home or auto insurance quicker than any other provider. Branch is bringing insurance back to its roots. Your price is waiting at ourbranch.com forward slash glory. That's O-U-R branch.com forward slash glory. Well, let's briefly jump ahead to 2013. And as we said, you guys also started 12-0 and that season, heading into the Big Ten Championship game against Michigan State. And if you guys win that game as you head into it, there's a good chance you and your teammates are headed to the BCS National Championship game against Florida State. 
But unfortunately, that is not to be as you suffer your first loss in 25 games, 34-24 to Michigan State. And programming note, we will discuss this game long form in a subsequent episode this season. But given that this was a result that Joshua, for you, you had not yet occurred, that you hadn't experienced a loss at Ohio State. And it was also Urban's first loss as head coach of the Buckeyes. Can you both talk about what it was like in the locker room after that loss? It was terrible after that. I mean, so like guys like Ryan Shazier, we knew that we were no longer going to be able to play with him anymore. I mean, best and most talented guy I've ever seen in a football jersey next to maybe Joey or something. Um, But at the end of the day, like we knew that our moments with guys like him being able to play for one another, because at the end of the day, like we were all super close. We wanted to win for each other. Um, That being ripped away from us. Again, we hadn't lost in however many uh, games, right? That that feeling of being in, um, you know, unbeatable right when 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 we're backed against the wall we'll figure out a way to fight out um that not proving true watching somebody else have their confetti up on the on the uh, uh on the trophy board like that killed us like i i don't know if i felt worse and there's a few games but you know you just walk in so dejected because you know we I, I saw myself running a post in the national championship or at the rose bowl right like we all were picturing ourselves out there already because it was like, shit, we're, we're good. We're going we're gonna to figure it out. Yeah. At the end of the day, we'll figure out a way to win. And we didn't. So, Joshua, you've said off air that Urban doesn't necessarily handling losing, handle losing well. Can you explain that maybe in the context of what he said to the team after the loss? Yeah. Um, and just to piggyback off of Evan real quick, like I think the visuals were really important to us, like watching – uh, another team collect the confetti just really blew us. And, and especially since we probably would have won a big 10 title the year before and just didn't have an opportunity. That was rough. Um, and uh, also it made us confront who we really were as a team because we skated by 2012 and then we did the same thing really in 2013 because our defense was bad. And I know we'll, we'll unpack some of that stuff, but urban in the locker room, it was really weird for us because um, he, it's like a drug to him winning. Like it, we could, it could be the closest win in the ugliest game and it doesn't matter. We won the game and urban's going to celebrate it. Like he might tear us apart the next day for our performance in the victory, but he's after the game, he is going to like winning. It doesn't matter. It's the greatest thing. And he's going to let you appreciate it for what it is. We come in after a loss and you can just look at him and he's a different person. He's pale as a ghost. His mouth is dry. He's like pacing back and forth. He's rubbing his head. He's got his hands on his hips, like everything to let you know how exhausted and exasperated he is. And and really like he doesn't know how to compute. And so he makes remarks to the team like he would do typically. And he's like, um, he's like, I, I guess we, we just lost that game. Like, I guess we just lost. He's like, were they the better team? I don't know if they played better, but we lost the game. And then he goes on. He's like, well, we were supposed to play in national championship. We won that, but you know, I guess we'll just uh, we'll play in the BCS orange bowl. Probably orange bowl is good bowl. You go down to Miami, Miami, Miami's a nice city playing orange bowl. It's not a national title. Maybe we'll win one. Maybe we won't one of these days, not this year. And like, he's <laughs> like, he's trying to process as he's talking to us and it's foreign to us. Cause we don't lose, and it's foreign to him because he's never had to address us as losers. Um, super strange, but you can tell just from that, like that game, I think the way that we played it, it exposed everything wrong with our defense. I think it exposed the very few deficiencies we had offensively. That I think that was the first time that year our offense really got exposed for some of the things they couldn't do well. And then I think what it really did was expose the lack of leadership that we had as players and the toll that it took on our coaches because I'll go through every one of the years that I played at Ohio state and by far 2013 was like the biggest in terms of uh, avoiding leadership. Like our, it wasn't that we had bad leaders, but we didn't have some of the strong leaders that we had had in the past. That loss did sting. And while it riled up the two of you, let's get the full team perspective to see how the body as a whole reacted Let's go to the captain's perspective with Curtis Grant. In that Michigan State game, and um, we saw Alabama lose to Auburn. Chris Davis ran back that kick. We was on the bus watching that, so we was we were excited. So it was like, man, Michigan State really not, you know, they're not messing with us. We got 
top tier defense, great offense at this point right now. So we go in and play, man. But like I, the vibe just didn't feel right, man. The, the preparation just before the game, I, it was just one of those games. It kind of felt like a high school game that I had before. You know, it was kind of like where we knew we were better than the other team, but that team just showed up that day and actually played. I mean, granted, let's be honest, Michigan State, I think, had the number one defense coming in um, in the conference that year. So when they beat us, man, it was just it was really a gut richer feeling. It put a bad, you know, put a bad taste in your mouth, man, because it was like, man, you work so hard, and you just to know that you were a yard away from potentially going to the national championship. You know what I mean? Even despite the loss, you guys are still going to go play in the Orange Bowl. And as Urban said, Miami's a nice town against an opponent that's going to eventually become very familiar to the team and to the fans in the coming years. And I'm speaking of the 10 and two 12th ranked Clemson Tigers. And unfortunately the results of the game are pretty much a nightmare. Evan, you break your leg. Braxton Miller goes down with the shoulder injury and the defense gives up 576 total yards and the team loses 40 to 35. And by the way, it should be noted though, that Clemson had a lot of talent on that team. I mean, they had Sammy Watkins, Martavius Bryant, and their quarterback, Taj Boyd, passed for 378 yards, and he ran for over 100. But man, two straight losses after 24 wins in a row. And after the game, when interviewed, Urban tells ESPN, quote, we're not a championship caliber defense right now, end quote. He might be referencing the fact that the defense gave up 115 points in the season's final three games, which is exactly the same number they gave up in the season's first six games, which begs the question, after starting 24-0 and rising up to number three in the national polls before Michigan State, at this point after two losses, what is wrong with the Ohio State Buckeyes? I'll speak for the defense. We had issues. We had some personnel issues, which I think we would have been able to overcome but the personnel issues mixed with the scheme that we were trying to run was very difficult. And I think even behind the scenes, the coaches were having some disagreements about how they wanted to run defense too. And it's just, just me looking back. It's not me trying to point fingers at anybody um, because there were, there were a lot of things that weren't good, but that you look at the end of the year though. And I just, I think the wheels fell off. Like I, I think that our guys were kind of like overwhelmed um, you had some veteran players that were just getting ragged on by by some of the coaching staff from time to time. And I think it's really hard to get up as a player. But then, like, I look at that Clemson game and um, Bradley Roby was kind of like, you know, he was he was kind of dinged up, but he probably could have played. He was like one of the first guys in recent memory for me who was like an opt out. Like he pretty much opted out of that game. And I don't fault him for it. he's a first round pick. Um, but we're missing Roby. And so Von Bell's got to play and he made some big plays, but he's a freshman player. Ryan Shazier. I watched Ryan Shazier um, get like trucked by Sammy Watkins and like carried for seven yards before he tackled Sammy. I just, that's when I knew we were losing the game. There's, we're not winning. Ryan Shazier knocked guys back. He didn't get taken for a ride ever. Um, and I, I think that like our defense just at the end of the year, our defense didn't have John Simon and we didn't have Zach Bourne to come over from the offense to save us like we had some guys CJ Barnett tried to do a hell of a job but like I don't I really just we don't we didn't have it in the tank yeah and, and I think that's an important point at the end is right like that that obsession at the end right like the gas left in the tank to finish right I'd say that one of the biggest problems was and to the fault of our situations, we weren't in a situation early on in our careers at Ohio State to where we had to obsess to finish, to get that championship. You know, when we lost to Michigan State, like we still hadn't won a Big Ten championship yet. Big Ten championship itself was very new. Um, so that obsession to finish towards the end of the season was really, I think, what we lacked and what ended up with or what resulted um, with us having two losses at the end of the season. So to close, heading into 2014, we both know that you have different experiences to end 2013. Evan, unfortunately, you got injured and you're facing a grueling rehab process. And Joshua, admittedly, you had a good game against Clemson with 10 tackles and a sack. But as far as the overall vibe goes, how are you both feeling about your team heading into 2014? I mean, I, I felt great about our team, to be honest. I mean, Obviously, you had the question marks around Braxton in, you know, offensively, but 
again, I, I, and I, I speak from my personal perspective, I guess, a, a lot of times, especially on this one, I didn't have any other chance, right? This was, I only had one more senior year. So this was the opportunity that I had to win a Big Ten championship. I had to try to go compete for a national championship because if we didn't do it, then it wasn't going to happen for me. Um, I was going to be the guy that looked backwards and saw all of the other cats at Ohio State go do it because it is that type of program. So, you know, it was just whatever it took. That was my mentality going into it. You know, did we have the pieces that we needed? Hell yeah, more than enough. And I think that we also were pissed off enough to get it done too. So, you know, I was very much in a mindset of trying to swing for the fences because I knew that we were ready for the pitch. For, for me, it, it was a, a very similar feeling. Like you said, 10 tackles and a sack in that game. Um, that was a, like a half sack. Me and Joey took Taj Boyd down the end zone, right? So two young players on that defense. Like I said, Von Bell stepped up in that game. Young player on that defense. Um, there were, I mean, Tyvis Powell played really well, just kind of going down the line. Like we had guys who were stepping up. So I'm like, okay, we'll be good. And then you look over to the offense, Braxton gets hurt, but you're like, okay, Braxton should be back. Um, how about Ezekiel Elliott, who was a guy who was, you know, he was, he was getting his run, but like the, the most famous thing he had done up to that point was he obliterated a guy when we played at Purdue on kickoff. You know, like, but we, awesome. we watched him in practice every day. Yep. I'm like, okay, this guy is going to be. Yeah. And so for me, I was able to kind of look at all those things and say, all right, maybe we're not there yet, but it's the pieces are there. That's like one thing that people should understand is that like at a place like Ohio State, there's always somebody that is freakishly talented, right? So it's just more or less about helping them figure it out and then unleashing, you know, unleashing the dogs on, you know, on, on whatever, right? Like being able to, find their best self, as Coach Mick used to call it, your athletic potential. But yep. it's a really relative point, right? Like, you know, if you're at Ohio State, you are one of the best athletes in the country, period, at your age group. Well, okay, now figure out a way to channel it into our system. Yep. And that's really what we saw is we saw a bunch of guys that were starting to figure it out. The Glory Days Podcast, Dreams and Nightmares with Joshua Perry and Evan Spencer. Hosted by Chris Caldwell. Hey guys, it's Joshua here. Thanks for listening to our first episode of the Glory Days podcast, Dreams and Nightmares. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at Glory Days Pod, on Instagram at Glory underscore Days underscore Pod, and like us on Facebook at Glory Days Podcast. JT's going to be our quarterback. Okay, well, great. Well, we got some reps in with him in the summer. We'll figure it out. But at the end of the day, our back is against the wall, and we have to do it. So... Well, yeah, that's it is a point. lot of pressure. Listen, I know. Hey, I know. So, if you don't so want the running, pressure, it's always running a slant against Penn that's State. That's what I was going to say. On third right. down. You if you don't mean? want the pressure, then you know you don't you, come you, to Ohio State. Next episode, we'll continue with our preparation for the season, stories from the spring and fall camp, and getting ready for the first game of the year coming up. I'll see you next time. So, Glory Days fans, insurance companies have figured out a way to make saving money on insurance complicated. Branch has changed that by simplifying the whole process of getting home and auto insurance. No complicated forms, no waiting on hold for long, no salesy talks with a representative. This means you go to their website, answer two quick questions, and they'll give you an instant price. Not a quote like some other insurance company. The actual price you'll pay. Branch is home and auto insurance that's simple to buy and build for savings. For better coverage, better rates, and a better experience visit ourbranch.com forward slash glory. That's O-U-R branch.com forward slash glory.